Jesus, the healer, and we looked at a story in Mark, looked at a story in Mark chapter 5 about the man with the unclean spirit. We looked at the three paths that we saw in that story, uh, and, and that was a story about a man who lived among the tombs, right? And this week, we're going to still be looking at the idea of Jesus as a healer. We're going to be in John chapter 11, and this time, there's not a man among the tombs, but there's a man in a tomb. And, uh, and we're going to look at, now I feel like I got loud now that they got quiet. Can you turn me down? Uh, yeah, a little bit. That's good. Uh, and we're going to be looking at these lessons that we see in this John chapter 11 uh, story. And they're, and they're a little weird. They're kind of, they're strange. This is strange lessons that we're going to look at. And we're going to learn some lessons on the strange ways of God's healing in the hope that the strange ways of, of God's healing can become familiar to us. Take the strange and make them familiar. And that got me thinking about strange lessons that I've learned in my life. So I once again dove into the, the photo album to see if there was anything that sparked some memories. And this is going to be like for two people out there. But this is a lesson I learned from Swain's O Crew t-shirt circa 2015, maybe? I don't know, something like that. You can't sink the friendship. That really stuck with me. I, that, I really took that to heart. I don't know why, but that, I, I saw that shirt. I'm pretty sure we were in your car. I think you were driving me somewhere, and I just grabbed your shirt, and I took a picture of it. That's where that's from, 2015. There it is. Um, but that's a good lesson. came in a strange way from a T-shirt that was on the floor of someone's car that was giving me a ride somewhere. All right, the next lesson that I learned is don't have a photo shoot when you have a mustache because someone's going to turn it into a giant picture. That's a lesson I learned. That's me with a giant picture of myself with a mustache. Uh, I think that I still have that picture somewhere. That's in like my office maybe or my closet. Um, there you go. That's a, that's a life lesson for you. If you have a mustache and you're not super proud of that mustache, don't let someone take a picture of you with that mustache. And the last lesson, I was a groomsman at my friend's wedding, and he gave me this crazy knife as a groomsman present. And the lesson I learned here is don't give me a knife. Go to the next one. I stabbed myself. That's, oh, sorry. We can go past that one really fast. There's blood there. Sorry, but I don't know. Nothing about me says give that guy a knife, but I got a knife and immediately stabbed myself with it um, this minutes after I got it. Uh, so like I said, those are some strange lessons that I've learned in, in weird ways. And in John chapter 11, we're going to learn some lessons on the strange way of God's healing in the hope that those strange way can become familiar to us. And so uh, if you were there on Sunday, you saw there's a, a big, a lot of the chapter was covered. We're not going to go line by line by line by line through the whole thing, but I am going to dive right in because we are going to read some of it as, as we try to give some context to what we're going to learn here. And so diving, starting right in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Oh, nice. I made the slide, so I'm not, I'm not sure why I was like, surprised by what we came up. But John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll stop right there. It says, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. That's an interesting, that's a strange phrase there at the end in verse 3. He who you love is ill. Because when we think of God's love, when we think of Jesus loving people in the Bible, right, we think of like what we're talking, talking about, Jesus as a healer. 
We think of God's love equating with prosperity for the person that he loves. We think of God's love occurring favor for the people that he loves. We think of God's love as improving circumstances. But right here we see that he who you love is ill. And that leads us to our first lesson that we're going to learn here in John 11 that says God's love is not designed to meet our expectations. When we see he whom you loved is ill, that is not what we expected to come at the end of he who you love, that person who you love. Uh, And then, okay, so that didn't meet our expectation on that. But surely Jesus finds out he he loves Mary, he loves Martha, he loves Lazarus. Those are his people. He's like, oh, he's ill? Let's get there. Let's go heal this guy. That's what you would expect. But in verse 5 and 6, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, what did he do? He stayed two days longer in the place that he was. Now, that's weird. That's weird, right? Jesus, it says right there, he loves Mary, he loves Martha, he loves Lazarus. They're, they're his people. He, he can heal them. If you know the end of this story, you know he does heal them, uh, heal Lazarus. Why not go immediately? That's not what we would expect from Jesus. God's love is not designed to meet our expectations. It is designed to do a lot of things, but it is not just to meet our expectations. It's designed to refine us. Uh, refining, like think like metalworking, blacksmithing, right? They, they break down the metal, they heat it up. It starts melting a little bit so that they can build it back up stronger. That's kind of the process of refining something. Uh, it's, God's love is designed to teach us to trust him, to deepen our faith. God's love is designed to expose our idols. And we expect speed, right? We expect speed when these things coming from, for God's healing, right? We, but the sp- strange way of God's healing is that it moves at a slower pace. But God never wastes that time that we spend waiting, what he's, doing in that, what he's doing in that waiting time, which we'll see here, is he's exhausting all opportunities for, for man-made healing, right? He's exhausting all the opportunities for you to have been healed and then say, well, it was the medicine, well, it was this, well, it was something that I did, right? He's, he's the waiting time in there in what seems like God moving at a slower than he should be pace in a healing process it is to get to a point where you, there is no doubt that it was God who did the healing there. So Jesus, it says, he waits two days, and he finally heads on down the road to Bethany, and we jump ahead to verse 17. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus finally gets there, and Lazarus is dead, dead. He gone. All right, four days, that is a long time to be dead. He and, and why did he do that, right? Why he waited two days to get there four days late. And we did that so that we could see that there is no man-made solution to this problem. Lazarus is gone. And if Lazarus is to be healed, only God himself could do that healing. So Jesus arrives in Bethany, and he doesn't come in. He's like, sorry, I'm, I'm a few days late. My bad, I got caught up. Uh, he doesn't say, all right, I'm, I'll fix it, don't worry. Going to go raise Lazarus right now. Hold tight. He doesn't even go in to the city to see Mary and Martha. He stays on the outside of the city, and he stays out there, and Martha actually has to go out to him. And that leads us to our, and we'll see with Martha's interaction with him, we'll see our second lesson here. It's that God's healing is not only a promise 
for the future, but it is a person in the present. And we'll see that in verse 21 and following. It says, Martha said to Jesus, she's gone out outside the city to talk to him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on that last day. Jesus said to her, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Did I stop there on that? Nice. Do you believe this? So Martha comes to him, he says, Lord, if you had only been here, if you had only been here, and in that, in that phrase, we see that Martha doesn't get the second part of that lesson. She, she knows, right? She's talking about the resurrection. She's talking about eternal life. She's talking about that promise of healing in the future. She's there on part one of that lesson. But on part two, that the healing is not just a promise in the future, but a person in the present, Martha is misunderstanding. She doesn't get that part. If only you had been here. She says, if only you had been here. And we do that too, right? The if only you had blank, right? Whatever it is, if only you had kept me safe, if only you had kept me from this temptation, if only you had not let that happen to me, if only you had uh, let me do this thing, whatever it is, we do that to God. We do that as well, just like Martha does. Jesus is not just that promised future healing. He is present with you, healing your greatest pain. Jesus asks her, do you believe this? And I think that's a great question to ask ourselves as well as we think about this idea of, of Jesus' healing is not just something in the future, but something right now present in the person of Jesus. So Jesus stays outside the city. He, Martha came out to him. They had a conversation. Martha heads back in. Jesus still not going in to see Lazarus' body, not going in to see Mary, stays outside the city. And so Mary comes out to talk to him. And this is where we see our third lesson with Mary's interaction with Jesus. And that lesson is our pain is God's pain. So jumping ahead to verse 32, when Mary gets out there, it says, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing Martha said. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid against it. So there's two phrases in there that are important to, to focus on. It's this idea of Jesus being deeply moved. Uh, John makes a point to say it twice so that you really pick up on that phrase, Jesus was deeply moved. And also the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. We see him cry. And uh, I think in here we see, we see Martha's interaction with him, Mary's interaction with him, the people who knew Lazarus, who are with Mary, with him. We see their emotion affecting Jesus, right, our pain becoming God's pain. Have you ever in your life felt something that you needed to be healed, felt a pain 
felt a rejection, felt like someone who was unfaithful to you, felt like you were trying to reconcile a relationship that just wouldn't become reconciled. It's not, you're not alone in that pain. Jesus feels that pain with you. That is how God felt at the same time you felt it as well. Our pain pains God. But like I alluded to earlier, we know how this story ends, right? Lazarus gets healed. This is about Jesus healing. It would be a really bad topic to call it Jesus the healer if at the end of the story no one was healed. So we know it's coming. Jesus knows it's coming. And the question we have to ask ourselves here is, why would Jesus weep if he knows what he's about to do? Uh, and, we, and we see the answer to that a little bit later. So Jesus has them roll away the stone. He calls out to Lazarus. Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb. People, there's, you just found out there's a lot of people there. The people go, they spread out, and they tell about what they just saw about this guy, Jesus, who just raised Lazarus from the dead. And then jumping almost to the end of the chapter in verse 53, it says, So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Talking about putting Jesus to death. And so Jesus weeps here because he sees that raising Lazarus to life is condemning himself to death. This is why Jesus is deeply moved, and we make it a point to hear it twice, that Jesus is deeply moved. And in that translation, it kind of means to snort or think of like an ugly cry, like, like very clearly he's crying. It's not the one movie tear coming down the side. Like it is an ugly cry. Jesus is deeply moved. He feels this pain. To raise Lazarus means to condemn himself to death. He takes that on for Lazarus. And I think, uh, Travis, on, on Sunday, if you heard, if you heard him do this, talk, uh, he talked about an old movie, The Sword and the Stone, and this like barracuda thing was trying to catch a fish. I don't know. The, I couldn't really, I didn't really follow what he was trying to do. I got the point he was making at the end, but a movie illusion didn't hit with me. So in that same vein of, of, uh, of Jesus taking on this pain, going into this monster, right, of sin, into death, to take on that pain for Lazarus and for us. I found other clips that I felt like I related to a little bit more, and maybe you will as well. So the first one is from Hercules, with Disney theme is there, and he had, he's fighting. I forget this thing's name, Hydra maybe, and Hercules is fighting the Hydra, and oh, this is longer than I thought it was. But he gets he goes inside the Hydra, and you're like, ooh, game over. Hercules died, end of the movie, it's a short one. But then, you're like, wait a second. It's gross, right, Bert? This is longer than I thought. Wait for it. Oh, he kills it from the inside. Defeating the Hydra, kind of. All right, next one. Oh, it just restarts? Okay. And then the next one is from a different movie that maybe you've seen, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think it cuts there. All right, so we see two people here go inside the monster. Ultimately, well, we didn't see him defeat it. It's just a long clip. I'm not wall drop. I'm not trying to do all that choppy choppy with the video. But you get the point. 
Um, you get the point. Uh, we see the hero has to go inside the monster to kill it to save the people. Jesus is deeply moved uh, when he's talking to Mary because he knows that he will be the one to go into the monster, not to defeat it from the outside, but by going inside the monster of sin, the monster of death, in order to raise Lazarus, in order, ultimately, to raise us. Right? Jesus is healing Lazarus in this story, but he heals us as well, not just promised in the future, but right here in the present through his person. And so what what do we do from all this? What is our application that we can see from here? And uh, going all the way back to the beginning in verse 3, we see Mary and Martha call out to Jesus, right? It literally says, so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he, who you lo- he whom you love is ill. They called out to Jesus. They tell him what happens. This isn't like a formal thing. They didn't write him a, a really long professional email. They didn't go on LinkedIn. These are like above you. I, I know, but... Trust me, one day you'll get there and you'll be like, ah, that LinkedIn, that was, he was there. He was on it. Um, and like they called out to him. They just told Jesus, this is what's going on. We are in pain. Please, we need you. So application here is to call out to Jesus. But then it's not just that action of calling out, right? Then we have to do what he says. Uh, in verse 39 and 40, Right when they get to the tomb, Jesus says, uh, we see that it was right, the verse right before it says, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And then 39, Jesus says, take the stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by the time, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Gross, right? He probably would smell really bad four days long. And then Jesus' response to Martha, he says there, did I not tell you that if you believed that you would see the glory of God? We always have a reason not to do what Jesus tells us to do. Calling out to him, telling us of a problem that we have, that's, that's the easy part, right? Jesus, I need help. Heal me in this area. Heal this relationship that I have. Help me get past this thing that I am struggling with. But we have to do what he says in order to be healed. There's a level of obedience to that. Did I not tell you, he says, that if you believed, you would see. And then right at that moment, he calls Lazarus, and Lazarus comes out of the grave. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, the healer, we, saw that, we see that love's, God's love is not designed to meet our expectations. God's healing is not just a promised future healing, but it is a person in the present in Jesus Christ. And our pain pains God. We need to call out to him, but not just call out to to him, but do what he says when he responds. We need to be looking for that response and be ready to obey when that time comes. Uh, So this is what we're going to be talking about in small groups tonight. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll break out um, to groups. And hopefully at this point you guys know where you're going, um, but if you don't, ask me or Alana, probably Alana first. All right, here we go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, oh, thank you for these students and leaders under this tent tonight. Thank you for being a God who heals us in the present, not just in the promised future. God, we know 
We know that we have pain in our lives. We know that we are struggling. We know that if we just cry out to you, that you will tell us what to do. You will help us be healed in that area of our lives. God, I ask that you be with each and every person out here tonight. Let these small groups uh, be blessed by your hand. Let these small groups be a place where students can feel comfortable to share what's going on in their lives. Let this place be a, a, a let these small groups be a place of comfort. That let your healing flow through the groups as supportive uh, to the other members of their group. Through these leaders, give them the words to say and, and a hand to heal. God, we love you so much, and we know that. As much as we love you, your love for us dwarfs that, and we are so thankful for your love. God, we love you and we praise you. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. All right.